You guys can be seated. I know Trent has already uh, shared with you guys that Windshape's getting started uh, with us. They are with us here this morning. Um, I'm pretty excited myself. It, it kind of makes me feel uh, a little uh, strange because my daughter's serving Windshape, but she's in Georgia this morning. Um, and so they're starting their camp today. She's at a stationary camp. So, um, so you guys are kind of an embodiment of my daughter. All right. Um, so I, I'm super um, excited for you guys and get to hear what God is going to do this week. If you are taking part in our Proverbs challenge, um, we are, as you know, we've been walking through Proverbs. If you're not, let me explain how this has been working. Uh, we have been since the beginning of June, June 1st, we started started reading reading Proverbs 1. June 2nd, we read and preached out of Proverbs chapter 2. Today is June the 9th, so we're preaching out of Proverbs chapter... Woo! Man, you guys are finally got it, all right? If you are late to the party, all right, you can jump in with us today. Um, We're using a resource this summer um, for June to walk through Proverbs. You don't have to have one of these journals because your Bible has Proverbs in it. Um, But what we did order, we ordered a bunch of these. Um, It's just the book of Proverbs. And then inside it gives you um, a blank page for you to take notes in and to be able to record some things that God shows you as you meditate on God's word and study God's word, maybe some questions you have. Uh, So we've got a few more of those out in the lobby this morning. Uh, It's just an honor system. They're five bucks. All right, just walk in, put money in the cup, grab one, um, and they'll make sure that you get one of these. But you can jump in with us um, at any point. Don't try to go backwards and read all of chapters one through nine. Just start with nine today or 10 tomorrow, all right? Um, And so we're going to walk through that throughout the month of June. And we have seen this and we defined wisdom as this, making sure, again, those of you have been here, those of you hadn't, we're all on the same page. Wisdom is knowing and doing what is right. Wisdom is knowing and doing what is right. Not simply intellect. It's not IQ. It is not more information because we've got all the information that we could possibly ever want. Wisdom is knowing and doing what is right. Now, if you've been reading with us this week, it's gotten strong, hasn't it? Uh, If you've read and you haven't, um, you read Proverbs chapter 5, 6, 7, um, you are realizing, wow, there are some extreme warnings. There are some different ways that Solomon, who's writing the Proverbs, numerous times says, hey, I'm writing this to my son, but as readers, we need to know this is personal. And so what he does several times, several times he writes and he says, wisdom is like a path. Foolishness is a path. We looked at that last week, choosing that destination and then saying, what path do we need to go on? Numerous times he says, hey, here's, here's a pursuit of wisdom. Here's a pursuit of folly or foolishness. And so he gives us different pictures to help us understand what do these two things look like? Why are they so different? How are they so different? So today we're going to see that Solomon's going to outline for us in chapter 9, How, if wisdom were a person and wisdom was going to set a table for you, what that table would look like. And then he's also going to say, if foolishness were going to set a table for you, this is what it would look like. Now, I know that may sound a little confusing, but what we want to see this morning is if wisdom were having you over for dinner and it was a person, what would it serve its guests? If folly or foolishness, interchangeably there, 
were having you over for dinner, what would it serve you as a guest? Now, five or six times a year, my wife and I, we host uh, an event in our house called the Next Step Dinner. Um, It is where we invite um, those of you who are new to Rich Fork to our home, and we have dinner on a Sunday evening. And uh, it is not, we don't ask you a ton of questions. We, we do do one, this last Next Step Dinner, we had one very important question that we asked everybody in attendance. It was intimidating. It was, how do you like your steaks cooked? Well or medium, all right? And that was the question of the night. That's as deep as we go. It is just a chance for us to hang out with you, to spend time with you. It happens on a Sunday evening. We'll have another one coming up soon. Uh, but what we do is we just have you over, and there's a certain path that we have to take to get ready for that. So usually Sundays that we have next step dinner, Sunday afternoon, our house is a whirlwind. Uh, our, our children love it. They love next step dinner because we go home after church, we eat a quick lunch, <clears throat> we clean up our house, we clean up our kitchen, <clears throat> we shove everything in the closet <clears throat> like you would. <clears throat> Excuse me. We shove everything in the closet. We get all ready for our guests. We move furniture to make sure we have room for everybody. Got a small living room. Move furniture, bring tables from the church, do all this kind of stuff, get ready. But what if the next step dinner, you sign up for this and you ring our doorbell and it's 5.55 and it starts at 6 and you ring the doorbell. You're just a couple minutes early and I come to the door and I am obviously, you've just awakened me from my nap. I got on shorts and a t-shirt and I look at you kind of, strangely, and, and, I, and I, then I recognize that we have a problem, and I say, well, just, just come on in, and I tell you to sit down on the couch, and I just disappear, and the dogs are on the couch with you, which, which is a great moment. The dogs are on the couch with you. There's newspaper everywhere. You look over the kitchen table. Lunch plates are still there. Uh, Emily and I, we walk out, and we say, hey, guys, we totally whiffed this one. Um, we forgot, so we're just going to order pizza or there's two-week-old leftovers in the fridge. <clears throat> you take your pick, and, and you can have whichever one that you want. And then we sit down, and we sit down, and we serve you on dirty plates, uh, dirty glasses. And then we eat our quick dinner, and you quickly make your way out. Imagine the chatter. Imagine the conversation on your way home. Imagine never coming to Rich Fork again, Right? Now, I know what some of you are thinking, hey, if that happened, you would be like us on a Sunday afternoon, right? But the reality is you have an expectation. If you come to my house and I've invited you for dinner, you have an expectation. No, my house is not spotless. We got two dogs and all that goes with it, all right? Two dogs, four kids, it's a little chaotic at times. But you have an expectation when you come to my home, when somebody's invited you over, you have an expectation that they're going to serve you as a guest, Now, I hope you're not looking for fine china. It won't happen, all right? But you have an expectation that says, you've been invited. Come be our guests, and we want to serve you. I want us to see the difference in how wisdom serves its guests and how foolishness serves its guests. And then I just want you to answer the question, which table do you want to sit down at? Which table do you want to spend your life seated at as a guest? Wisdom or foolishness? Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 through 6 says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. 
She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out young women to call from the highest places in town. And this is what they're calling. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine that I've mixed, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. I want you to see this morning that wisdom has a very clear purpose. It's not hidden. It's not forbidden. Wisdom, she's saying, as she's preparing this dinner for you, this is not a derogatory term of someone serving dinner for you, preparing for you, this portrayal. Wisdom has a clear purpose, and wisdom desires to continue to train us and to lead us down a path pursuing the things of God. Verse 1 tells us this is the purpose and that this has taken place. Verse 6 says, here's, here's what that purpose is, to continue to train you, continue to lead you down the path pursuing God. So let's look at, let's just break this down for a minute. Verses 1 through 6. It says, wisdom is preparing for a guest. It says, she has built her house. Wisdom is not afraid of hard work. It says, she has hewn, she has cut down the trees to build her home. Then it says, She has slaughtered her beast and mixed her wine. Red meat, all right? For some of you, that is not an appealing image, all right? It may be savage to you, um, but someone who is giving their best is the picture that's being depicted for us. It's not about what's being served. It's about that they're serving their best. I, I, will, I will never forget the first interaction I had with one of our students at Rich Fork uh, 21 plus years ago. We went to a high school basketball game. One of our students in the middle of the basketball game at halftime, he said, hey, pastor. And he's got on Carhartt pants and hunting jacket. Um, he does not look like he just came from a shower, all right? And uh, he, he comes to me, he says, hey, pastor, come outside. I want to show you something. I'm brand new to the area. It's halftime of the basketball game. Well, we got to show me. I walk outside. There's a deer in the back of his truck. Welcome to Davidson County, right? <clears throat> he went out, and man, he was proud of that moment. He wanted to let me know of that moment. And wisdom says, I've slaughtered the beast. I've prepared and mixed this wine. Now, this, this picture here, this mixed wine, is not an op- opportunity for us to give an extensive approach and examination of alcohol. All right? Not. But here's what he's saying. This mixed wine, when they had this drink, it would be mixed for hydration. It would be mixed for fulfillment and for nourishment. It was the best of. So the table is being set by wisdom. I'll build a house. I'll build the table. I'll kill the beast. I'll pour the wine. I'll send out. And it says, I will set the table. Now, this wording for table is a fancy table, a show table. In all reality, it goes further back in the Old Testament, and it refers to the table, one of the tables in the temple. So this is a very, very fancy, very, very honorable table she's setting. She's saying, I've cut down the wood and built the house. I killed the beast. I've mixed the wine. I've set the table. She sends out messengers 
She calls to the simple, verse tells us, Scripture tells us. Now, this is a little bit different. If you've been reading with us, chapter 1, verse 22, it says that wisdom calls out to the scoffer, those who know right and wrong and mock what's right and wrong, the foolish, those who know right and wrong and just ignore it, and the simple, those who don't know what they don't know. All right? In chapter 1, verse 22, it lays out these three things. Wisdom says, hey, you guys come to me. Let me teach you. Let me train you. But by chapter 8, only the foolish and the simple get invited because the scoffers had already ignored the message. But by chapter 9, only the simple are getting invited to the party. Because the scoffers, those who know what's right and wrong, reject it and mock it, they're not getting invited to the table. The foolish know right from wrong, and they ignore it. They're not getting the invitation to the table. And this is not a negative, derogatory. He's saying, let the simple come. Let the simple come. Whoever's simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says. Translation, they haven't figured it out yet. To those who haven't figured it out yet, come to the table. And then she says what's at the table. Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. I've prepared something for my guests. And I want to teach you. And verse 6 begins to tell us. We'll see a little bit later some more that wisdom offers us. Leave your simple ways and live. This is her invitation. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. Walk in wisdom. Walk towards a path of God's direction as in his instruction. Wisdom desires to, to do what? To continue to train us, to continue to lead us down the path pursuing the things of God. There's no hiding that. There's no dancing around it. This is what wisdom wants to do. Let me pour into you. Let me lead you down this path. God's directions and instructions are given to guard you, we saw last week, to guide you and to redeem you. God's instructions and directions are given to guard you, to guide you, and to redeem you. Wisdom is saying, hey, come. Come sit down at my table and let me teach you. Verse 7 through 9 says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. Here's the different reactions to people when they are given instruction. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and whoever reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Wisdom says, come to my table. Come sit and be a guest of mine. I have prepared the house for you. I have prepared a table for you, and it is full of wisdom. It is full of doing what? Instructing you to know and do what is right. How do you receive instruction? This is a question that I had to ask. How do you receive instruction? When someone comes to you and says, hey, I, I got a problem with something that's going on and I see this behavior, someone that you love, someone that, you, that cares about you, how do you receive instruction? How we receive instruction really paints a picture of what path you're pursuing. 
If you're pursuing a path of foolishness, then when someone comes to you with instruction, that's what chapters uh, verse 7, 8, and 9 are talking about. If you are pursuing a path opposed to God's desires for your life, someone comes to you and gives you instructions, you scoff at it, you get angry at it. It says you insult that person, you get angry with that person. But on the other side, it says if someone comes to you and you are growing in wisdom, if you're going down the path of wisdom, then you say, hey, I, I need to become wiser. I need to listen to your instruction, to your words. How do I receive instruction? So we've got the table of wisdom, hardworking, leading you to a path of guiding you to godly living, to becoming more like Christ. And then we have foolishness described. Foolishness is described in verse 13. Here's how this portrayal is depicted for us in verse 13. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive. She is enticing. She knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places in town calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. She's not building a house. She's not chasing down, the, chasing down your dinner, all right? She knows nothing, plans nothing, prepares for nothing. And she says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And whoever lacks sense, she says, so she says the same thing at the beginning. Verse 17. Stolen water is sweet. Here's what she has to offer you. Here's what she has to offer me. Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Let me just tell you what that means, in case you haven't dug into chapter 9 yet. She is offering you a forbidden meal that is someone else's. Now, I want to keep this as PG as I can. She offers the simple and says, listen, let me come to my table, and I've actually, what I have at my table is not even mine. It's not even yours to have. It's someone else's water. It's someone else's nourishment. It's someone else's spouse. Come, I don't have anything to offer you. I don't know anything, foolishness says. I don't have anything to offer you. I didn't build a house for you. I didn't set a nice table for you. But I can tell you what I do have to offer you. I have to offer you something that is forbidden. Forbidden. Foolishness offers a forbidden meal. And she says, oh, and by the way, it needs to be done in secret. See the great difference? Culturally, we have to see the significance of this. Chapter 4, I know we're in chapter 9 officially this morning, but chapter 4, I believe, paints a, a very beautiful picture for us to see. It says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in paths of righteousness. When you walk, 
Your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. This is what wisdom is saying. As you're running to my table, the lights are on. You can see everything. I'm not trying to hide anything from you. But if you're pursuing the forbidden, it's dark, and you're tripping over things. And we all know in this room, you've experienced moments, adults in this room, where you've sinned and you tuck it away in secret. Know in that moment we're sitting at the table of foolishness. Because it's forbidden, it's hidden. We stump our toe in the darkness, don't we? We trip over things in the darkness. That's what Proverbs chapter 4 says. What a lie foolishness is giving us. I mean, Solomon's not pulling any punches, is he? He's laying out the two and says, hey, here's your offers. Pursue wisdom, pursue folly. One's in the bright light of day. Here's what it says about wisdom in chapter 4, verse 18. But the path of righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. Wisdom says, hey, you can't see the path. Let me turn the lights on for you. Hey, you can't see where you're going. Let me cut the path a little bit more for you. You don't understand this decision? Let me surround you with people who can help you in this moment. Let me help you walk down this path. And foolishness says, oh, no, no, no. Turn the lights down real dim. Wisdom is open, bright, shining. It's not hidden. No reason to hide anything because there's nothing to hide. I'll give you a practical example. Wisdom says, hey, here's my cell phone. Take a look, honey, and let you just check it all out. Folly says, oh, no, just keep that tucked away. And that second one, definitely keep that one hidden. Because that's a secret. It's between me and you. It's foolishness to sit at this table. It leads to destruction. Wisdom and foolishness, make no mistake about it, they are pursuing opposite directions. Wisdom and foolishness have opposing destinations. Wisdom wants to bring light and life. Foolishness wants to bring death and destruction. Foolishness invites you to come in, sit at the table, and then you can't tell anybody about it. Foolishness created the phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Foolishness says, what happens at foolish table stays at the foolish table. Don't tell anybody. Shh. Because it's stolen. What I have to give you is not even mine to give. Is there a behavior in my life Is there a behavior taking place in secret? This is so important this morning that you need to repent of and give to the Lord. Proverbs getting heavy, isn't it? God's word is discerning, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's cutting to our hearts. Is there a behavior that is happening in secret that you need to repent of and turn to the Lord. And can I just say, he is faithful to forgive you, to redeem you, to cleanse you, to change you.
Are we attempting? Here's where I think a battle is for me. Are we attempting to seek wisdom and entertain folly and foolishness all at the same time? Simultaneously, are we trying, God, give me some more wisdom, but I've got this pocket of foolishness that I don't want to give up. If you've been reading Proverbs this week, then you've seen the theme of immorality, adultery outlined numerous times. And I don't think it's accidental that 2,000 years later, Proverbs 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9 absolutely fit our culture. Because the foolish picture painted in Proverbs now has a name. Now has a name and it's pornography. Seductive, it's enticing, trying to hide. And we must know that God is faithful to forgive, to restore. See where she invites you to. Chapter 9, verse 18. He does not know that the dead are there and her guests are at the depths of Sheol. Wisdom promises life. Folly leads to death, brokenness, emptiness, skeletons in the closet of punishment. Few escape alive because she says, shh, what I have can only happen in secret. What I have is for us to keep hidden. Proverbs chapter 9, Solomon is challenging his son. Take a look at these two scenarios. Church, take a look at these two scenarios. If you were a guest invited to a table serving these two meals, which one do you want? You want this one. This is the guest table that you want to be seated at. They've prepared for you. I want to sit at a table where I am spiritually served gifts and skills that bring me life. That lead me not to brokenness and emptiness and death, but that bring me life and understanding and the ability to live my life and make decisions to know and do what is right. What table do you want to sit at? Where do you want to be a guest? Wisdom or folly? As I was sitting by myself Wednesday looking at Proverbs chapter 9 and these tables. There's another table that is paramount for you to know about. It's not in Proverbs chapter 9. This this is not listed in Proverbs chapter 9. It's in the New Testament. It is a table that's set for you and it is set by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus, at one point in his ministry, he'd lived, walked, breathed, performed miracles. He gets to a place in his ministry where he realizes that his time of crucifixion has come. And there's a traditional meal being served called the Passover. And Jesus says, hey, I want to have this meal with my closest followers. Luke chapter 24, 22 records this meal. It's a meal we call the Lord's Supper. We're not taking it this morning. We're not participating in it this morning. But Jesus at one point at this table, he says, and the scripture says, and he took the bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after supper, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. This table is set by Jesus. And why do I introduce it to us this morning in the middle of this discussion of wisdom and folly? Because this table of wisdom and folly lead to paths of what? Of life or death. This meal that Jesus is introducing and celebrating, he's saying, my body is going to be broken. My blood is going to be poured out. I'm going to be a sacrifice for the payment for your sins. And this is the decision of eternal life. Life, death. And he's offering life. He's offering forgiveness. You see, as we look at Proverbs, we look forward and say, how does this point us to Jesus? There's a table. Jesus sits down with it his disciples. He says, let me serve you. Let me serve you myself, and I am wisdom. And I want to give you life more abundantly, more fulfilled than you can ever imagine. Have you trusted in this gift of Jesus? Have you sat down and become a guest at the table that Jesus offers. Have you trusted the gift of Jesus? He has set a place at the table of eternal life for you. Will you make the wise decision? I have no doubt this morning, and I have no doubt that this week, this wind-shaped crew, they're going to introduce Jesus to a lot of our children who are going to need to make that decision. To trust in Christ. To make a wise decision. But that doesn't leave us out, adults. Have you made, have you trusted in the gift of Jesus? How will you receive this invitation? How will you receive wisdom? To come. This morning, as we celebrate during our time of invitation, like usual, I'm going to be standing up here. But I also know that the enemy wants foolishness to have its day and keep things in secret. I believe there's some of you this morning that need to come, not to me, but to the Lord. You, you can do it where you're seated. You can do it up here at this wooden place, this altar, and cry out to the Lord and say, God, I choose to be a guest at your table. I choose wisdom. I will no longer sit at the table that's forbidden meal in a secret place. I choose your instruction. I choose the gift of Jesus. Let's pray this morning.